Welcome to A Deeper Dive with Pastors Steve Page and Tim Shaw. Our podcast is a conversational journey through the deeper meaning, implications, and applications of God's Word for today's world. Now, it's time to take a deeper dive. Welcome, everyone. My name is Steve Page. And I'm Tim Shaw. We're glad you joined us for a Deeper Dive podcast. And today we're going to take a deeper dive into the Gospel of Mark, where we're going to touch on and springboard off of one of my favorite episodes in the Gospel, The Calling of Levi, the Tax Collector. Well, hopefully by now you've watched the third video and have known and heard the details of that amazing story. We love this story because it brings out so many crucial elements that characterize the gospel, that characterize the kingdom of God, and that need to characterize as we live out the mission of God in this world in order to bring transformation. Remember, as, as we're going along in this gospel, Jesus continues to unpack and to, to crystallize what the kingdom of God is really about. And this big overarching motif in Mark is that, is that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, inaugurating a renewal of this world. And he's and he's bringing to bear on the world in very real and tangible and in sometimes very disruptive ways the purposes and the power and the values and the character and, yes, the grace of his kingdom. Um, and part of those purposes and values is to restore shalom, the restoration of wholeness and flourishing in the human condition. And, and this seems to happen big time in the life of Levi, the tax collector. Uh, now, one of the things, Tim, I mentioned uh, uh, in, in this story that is really crucial, that Jesus looks at him like nobody else can look at him. You know, he sees, he sees this tax collector in the tax collector's booth, not when he finally left that occupation, not when he went to synagogue, he sees him in the booth as a tax collector, and yet, and yet he calls him into uh, a discipleship journey with him uh, and, and extends his grace to him that, that I, I can't imagine how many minds were blown when Jesus said, come follow me, you know, because of, of what he met in that community at that time. And... Um, and one of the points I made in the video was that was that the not only Jesus has the eyesight, but but by His grace, He gives us the eyesight to look beyond what is most obvious to see what is most true. And I think the scriptures make it clear that the deepest truth of every person, even the worst of us, like a Levi, is that we are sacred, that we're loved with an unbreakable love, and we're created for a divine purpose. And I quoted Dallas Willard as we're making this point. He says, you know, our relations to others cannot be right unless we see those others in their relation to God, not into relation to us or what they mean to us even or whatever, but it's in their relation to God. And even, he says this, even in their ruined condition, a human being is regarded by God as something immensely worth saving, sin never makes us worthless, only lost. And that is such a challenging statement for me because I, I confess I'm not the most gracious guy in the world all the time. And it's easy to see the sin and see, see what is most obvious, that's worthless action, you know. Um, but God gets us to see the more. And I, I know that you've, you've been around this world, you've ministered to so many, many, many people in so many different places, but there's a story that you were sharing before the podcast that I really would love for you to share with the people that, that, that kind of dovetails nicely into this sentiment that we're seeing. Well, to build on what you're saying, I think the capacity for us to be those people of grace and compassion 
uh, it really begins with us being able to be see ourselves as recipients of grace and compassion, or actually even needing to receive grace and mm. compassion. Mm -hmm. Because when I realize what my how great my need is, then um, and I am able to receive that mm. from God, then I'm growing in my capacity um, to be gracious and compassionate to others. So it's not just something that I believe in my head. It's not just a rational statement that I'm making. It's something I'm experiencing in the core of who I am. It's the or the motivation center of who I am. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the story I was uh, mentioning was um, a great man in, uh, in the Phnom Penh area that works for Agape International Mission. He's Cambodian. His name is Pastor Chantha. He's the pastor of the church that is in Swaipak. And Swaipak is a uh, a suburb of sorts of Phnom Penh, but historically it's been a notorious center of child sex trafficking, a horrible, horrible, horrible thing. Mm. And Agape International Mission came in to bring transformation and change to that community, which they have in really significant ways. But Pastor Chantha's story um, begins uh, when in the Khmer Rouge and the Pol Pot regime in the 1970s when he was five years old. And Pol Pot was uh, moving millions of people out of the cities and into the rural areas. Pastor Chantha one day just sat down and told me this story when I asked him, could you tell me, you know, how you became a Christian? How do you find yourself here as being a pastor of this church? Well, he said, um, when I was five years old, um, my father was executed in front of me. And my one-year-old brother was, I was given a responsibility for one, my one-year-old brother because my mom was taken away to a different camp. And so Chantha says, uh, and these are his thoughts and words, that he grew up, understandably, as a really angry kid. Mm. And when he grew up, he joined um, the government forces as the tide began to turn against uh, the Khmer Rouge. And he was a soldier, and he went out and killed as many Khmer Rouge as he could possibly kill. Um, so after that, all that was over, uh, he was taken out of the wing by these two uh, American missionaries who he, he was hired as their driver. And they be, he began to learn about the gospel, learn about Jesus, and learn about forgiveness, and learn about grace. And he eventually became a Christian. And he eventually became a pastor. And he was a very successful and effective pastor, but he, the pressures were too great, and he eventually said, I can't do this anymore. I just burnt out and went back to doing what the only thing that he really knew how to do, which was um, to drive for other people, be a professional driver. And he was hired by uh, Don and Bridget Brewster, who were the uh, founders of Agape International Mission. And over time, uh, Don, as they were dealing with the, the horrific challenges of Swipak, decided that AIM needed a church and he wanted Chantha to be the pastor. Hmm. And Chantha said, nope, I'm not doing that. That was a nightmare. I was, it was too hard. I completely got fried doing that. But he didn't say anything to his wife about what Don was inviting him to do. But one day she came to him and said she's been having nightmares. And what she's been seeing is um, little children screaming. And then he told her what Don Brewster had invited him to do to become the pastor to start a church in the middle of Swipak. And she said to him, I think you have to do that. And so they moved into Swipak 
um, with all these competing gangs battling each other for control of these horrible brothels. Mm. And he was hated by many of them because he was bringing about change and liberating people from that horrible situation his church was. And so one night there was this gang battle that took place. And one of the gang leaders was hit over the head with a machete, cut his head open. Oh, man. And Chantha was watching it through the, his front door. And God said to him, you need to go out and help that guy, the gang leader, the guy who brought so much evil to um, this community. And so he ran into the street. And somebody else came out from their house and said, Pastor, what are you doing? Leave that guy alone. He, he, he's evil. We don't need him. Let him die. And Chantha said, I, I can't do that. He put him on his motorcycle and took him to the hospital. And two weeks later, uh, he hits word from the doctor who was caring for him and said, okay, your quote-unquote friend is ready to be discharged. And so he went to the hospital and the doctor said, you owe me $2,000 for his care. And Chantha said, I haven't got $2,000. I've got $120 and I just have a brand new baby boy. And Chantha said, they stared at each other without saying a single word for 30 minutes. <laughs> and eventually the doctor said, okay, give me your $100 and you keep the $20 for your, your own kid. So Chantha took this gang leader from the hospital back to his home. And as soon as that man walked into Chantha's house, he fell on the ground weeping, mm -hmm. saying, you saved my life. And Chantha said, I didn't save your life. Jesus saved your life. That gang leader became a follower of Jesus. He got married started raising a family, being a protective citizen in in the Phnom Penh community. Wow, really? Yep. Man. And so I said, and this, this actually lives so much at the heart of Agape International Missions ministry. Uh, Chantha said to me, you know, it's only grace that changes any of us. Mm. And it was grace that changed that man whose life was the source of so much suffering um, for others. So yes, you know, it's, an, it's not just my intellectual understanding that God loves me and forgives me. That's really important. But it's my ability to experience that mm -hmm. in the motivational centers of my life, what motivates me, what the Bible calls the heart. Mm -hmm. The heart is not just our emotions. No. It's the motivational center. It's our will. It's our mind. It's our emotions. It's it's the core of who we are. So that's why it's so important that I be a person who is not just understanding the gospel or understanding the gospel's call on my life. I need to be a recipient of that grace and mercy if I have any hope of really becoming a person who is going to be an agent of that transformation uh, in the world because I'm experiencing it myself. Mm. It reminds me of a quote by uh, a Catholic writer, Henry Nouwen, when he says, you know, we cannot give what we do not have. 
And and if we haven't that experience of grace, it becomes very difficult, you know, to give it away. And and it needs to be given away. We we just live in a world where uh, the challenge to be gracious is every day just get in traffic. Yeah, yesterday. Yeah, was it yesterday? No. Yeah, maybe it was yesterday. I'm driving home. And this young guy's in front of me, and for whatever reason, I guess he doesn't like the way I look, and he just flips me off in the rearview mirror, in the side mirror. You know, I'm like, what are I doing? <laughs> it just cracked me up, right? So, you know, in my younger days, that would have been enough to just, all right, we're pulling over here. But we kept going, and I'm just ignoring it, and, and it's like, ah, Lord, you know, I remember to be that young and be that obnoxious, whatever, that's okay. And, but... Yeah, you're right. It, it was just like, I'm not that guy anymore. And and then um, we kept driving. And then as I pulled to another lane to go, because uh, I was going to exit, and he rolls down his window and he starts <laughs> just screaming profanities for some reason, man. <laughs> and, and it's like, all you got to do is drive home from church. And and the world is going to is going to to challenge, you know, your 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 rem- your memory and your experience of God's grace, you know, bec- because you know it, it, it's going to call forth something that that it's just so easy to not be a gracious person in this world. And so you're right. If we don't really have that shaping us, not just believing in it, right? Not even you know, oh yeah, I totally believe in grace, you know, but that's reshaped my soul. I, this story with this this pastor Chanpada, um, when he, did, did he say when he went to express grace to this dude, his wife told him to, you know, kind of a thing. Um, did he hesitate? Did it's like no way? We know what a crumb bum this is, or whatever. Well, I, it happened in the context of a, what I understand is a, a an active street battle, so I'm sure he had apprehensions mm. as a young father, you know, husband, uh, a church with responsibilities. He's, it was not, I didn't get the impression that, um, you know, Superman showed up, you know, ah, it was yeah. just this follower of Jesus who was listening to God, whose own life had been changed, knowing how much all the things that he had done and felt guilty about. Mm. But God had addressed those things in his life. Uh, he ran into a, an active street battle. Unbelievable. And um, without support from at least one neighbor who said, what are you doing? We don't need that guy. And uh, he said, "I." he's listening to God. He's not just listening to God and obeying. He is doing that. But it's the person who is listening to God obeying has been tra- transformed, is being transformed. And I would say by doing that, he is going to be further, further transformed. transformed. There you go. Yeah. So uh, it our, there's transformation that takes place in our lives and our hearts. Our, and again, the heart is not just the emotions. It's that motivational center. The transformation takes place, um, but it also can... Tra- it, our lives are transformed when we act in obedience to what God is calling us to do. Even when I am fearful or when I don't like the person that he's calling me to, to care for, mm-hmm. or I feel threatened by that person. Mm. Um, so my actions are transformative as well. Wow. Uh, that, that is such a powerful, powerful story. I mean, again, you know, we're, we're talking about a guy who trafficked children. 
you know, I mean, it, there's, I'm not sure what lower kind of existence there is, right? You know, and 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 yet there, obviously, God wanted that man because he comes to Christ, right? At the uh, uh, mm -hmm. through through the, the the love and and graciousness of that that pastor, and and it, that's not an accident. It's not like, oh yeah, I guess we'll take him. I mean, you know, God was after that guy, but who knew? Who saw the neighbor who looked down at him and said, "We don't need him." saw only the obvious, what is most obvious, but not what is most true, you know? And, and I, man, I, that, is, that is such a powerful story. Thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what sort of consequences he might have had to go through because of his actions. I don't know that part of the story. Yeah. Um, but uh, even because, I mean, what he was involved in is just one of the most horrific things that I can have even imagine. And, uh, but yet God sent someone to be an agent of God's love to this person. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I so appreciate that. Um, for those of you who might be listening and, and, you know, who have just had a bad day today or tuned in today, or maybe just reminded of your lostness. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe you had a jarring experience of your sin stumbling, you know, once again, um, in, in, you know, those things that, 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 that make you stumble in the, uh, in your life and, and you know that it's not of the Lord and you want, you've been trying so hard to correct it and change it and be different and all that kind of stuff. Um, I just want to say something, you know, this is something that was shared by a writer and he's a podcaster too now, Preston Sprinkle. He's actually a, a, a New Testament scholar. Um, but, you know, remember this, that God loves you because of who he is and because of what Christ has done. Not because, you know, you're, you're this right now in the moment a lovable individual, you know, um, but you're loved because of who he is and, and what Christ has done. And, and he goes on to say, look, whether you are depressed, suicidal, underweight, overweight, good-looking, ugly, dumb, smart, socially rejected, divorced, physically fit, physically disabled, funny or dull, you have won the heart of God because you are human. I, I, just, I just love that. Do we, do we believe this? Do, do we believe that we've won the heart of God um, because simply we are human and because of who God is, not what we are and what we do, but because of who God is? Or, or those who might be listening, do you struggle to internalize that amazing, amazing truth uh, that is there. Even though what is most obvious might be some sin and struggle right now, but this is what is most true. Did you want to comment on any of that? Well, it makes me think of um, probably the greatest story ever told in the Bible, which I would say is um, the story of the prodigal son. Mm. If you go to the British Library, they have a section on, uh, it's called Sacred, I think, sacred texts from all these different world religions. And Christianity is represented there with all these ancient versions of the Bible. And, and on their website, what they feature to represent what Christianity is about is that story. Really? Yes, the prodigal story of the prodigal wow. son. And the, the prodigal son is probably, I think, one of the most remarkable stories ever told um, because you do have a person who who demands from his father 
his inheritance before his father's is dead, which is basically saying, Dad, I, I'm ready for you to die. Could you get on with this so I can have my stuff? And he, his dad, like God, God does, he gives him his inheritance before his father's dead. And he goes off into the far country and squanders his living, his, his money with the wild living. And he eventually comes to his senses. And what you see in this story is so scandalous is um, he finally decides to go home. He recognizes his need. And uh, he's just starving to death out there. His friends are gone because he hasn't got any more money. He's trying to eat the food the pigs eat, but he can't even get that. And so he comes to his senses, the text says, and says, um, even my, hired, my father's hired men have food to eat and shelter. I will go back to my father and ask him to be a hired servant in mm -hmm. his house. So he heads home and he probably practices that little talk again and again and again. But as he gets, when his father sees him coming, his father does something also that's very scandalous in that culture. Sort of girds up his robes and runs to his son. And the message to the um, this young son is you can go home. You can come home. Hmm. It doesn't matter what you've done. He's brought shame and disgrace on the family. The village is probably furious at him. They don't want any of their kids following this example. But as that kid comes back into that village, his father runs to him. And what Jesus is doing is showing the father heart of God. Mm. So wherever people are today, whatever they're, however they're feeling about um, what's going on in their lives, the mistakes they might have made, the brokenness in, in, in their lives, the message of the gospel is you can come home and you have, they'll be greeted by a father who will be running towards you, who doesn't hire you as a hired servant. Mm but receives you as a child. Mm. So Powerful story, powerful story. Um, yeah, before I want to end, too, there was a question that we were emailed this week about the, the writer, Mark, uh, who wrote the gospel. And uh, uh, before we began this podcast today, Tim brought out a really, really good point that just dovetails so perfectly into this whole issue of, of grace. It, it's not just grace that you need to get saved. You know, grace is this thing that is an ongoing need for our lives. And um, because we are going to trip up, we're going to fall, we're going to, you know, be too fearful to do the right thing or what have you. Um, but God is just ready with more grace. And, and the writer of this gospel is a perfect example of that need for and receiving of and what, that, what the reception of that grace does to a person. So why don't you share that a little bit more? Well, this is one of my favorite stories from the from the book of Acts. Um, I'm a big fan of Barnabas, who's a major character in the early church. His name means son of encouragement. And uh, he and the apostle Paul and his cousin, John Mark, uh, go on a missionary journey. Paul was often going out on these trips to plant churches. So John Mark, who's a young guy, I don't know, imagine him maybe 16 or 17 years old, goes with uh, Paul and Barnabas, and he gets part of the way uh, 
to what is today in modern day Turkey. Mm-hmm. And John Mark, who's the author of this gospel, uh, decides, I'm not really up for this. Mm. And he heads home. Uh, Paul really didn't like that. And so when they were going to go on another journey, Barnabas wanted to take John Mark with him. And Paul said, nope, not taking that guy. Last time we went, he bailed on us. Yeah, he failed. So that caused such a a squabble between Paul and Barnabas that they actually parted ways. Mm. And Barnabas takes John Mark and goes on their own journey, and Paul takes Silas. Uh, So the mission of God grew out of a conflict. Um, But Barnabas believed, like he always did, he believed in Paul when he was going from really just being known as Saul, this persecutor of the church. He was the one that built the bridge for Paul to come into the church and be believed and trusted. But he takes John Mark. And so I just have to wonder, do we have this gospel? Mm. If Barnabas had said, I'm going to give this guy another chance. Yeah. Think about the repercussions of being gracious, right? Right. And so, Paul, it's risky to be gracious, right? You can get burned. Um, But I don't... I don't know how John Mark recovers from what probably just ended up feeling like a big failure when he decided, hey, I, I'm in over my head. I'm going home. Hmm. And then when the great apostle was not open, open to taking him, uh, I think from a human perspective, we probably don't have the gospel of Mark unless Barnabas had stepped in there and said, John Mark, I I think God's at work in your life. I think God's up to something in your life, and let's go. That that is a perfect story to kind of uh, put a, put a pin in it here and, and land this plane because um, I mean the very writer of this gospel needed more grace through another Christian to continue as a missionary in order to become eventually that gospel writer. And by the way, Paul did eventually embrace him. You know, years later, um, he came around to that. But but again, if it wasn't for grace. Who knows, right? Because as a young kid, if I was 17, 18 years old and I gave up and I failed, what would I tell myself? I'm not for this. And Barnabas, this is this is the great thing about what discipleship does. It sees in others what they cannot see in themselves. When you have gracious eyes to get beyond what is most obvious, to see what is most true. This is so crucial. And, I, and so I just love that story. And I, and I just want to, you know, again, for those of you who right now listen like, you have no idea, Steve and Tim, of my epic fail, you know. But uh, but but hear that story about Mark, you know. Hear the story about Levi, or even go back and read this, watch the video about my own story. But I'm going to end here with the the the, the words of, of Tim Keller about what the gospel is. He says this: the gospel is this. Look, we're more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet, at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. So may those words be um, written on your own heart as, uh, as we finish up today. God bless you. Um, go in peace and especially go in grace. God bless.